Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Big Thoughts, the number one podcast about the Big Ten. Here are your hosts, Spencer Kleinschmidt, Marcus Pierce, and Peter Che. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Big Thoughts, Big Ten Thoughts. I'm Marcus. Alongside with me, SFK, Peter motherfucking Chell. Today we have a big episode, great interview coming up. Um, talk a lot about hockey and about a few important other things. But first, how are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. The weather's finally warming up. And I take back what I said last week. Falling back in love with baseball and softball. How can you not love it? How can you it's not like be a, romantic about baseball? It's like a teeter-totter. Peter Potter? No, teeter-totter. Peter Potter. Peter Che. It's Peter, like Peter Che. che. Um, yeah, honestly, like, my one go-to saying to people who say they don't like baseball is that, e, A, you don't understand it, or B, someone hasn't explained it well enough to you, so you don't understand it. Because there's a lot that's built into the game that seems boring, but if you understand, like, why the situation's happening it, it's really interesting but i don't know it's baseball nerd stuff spencer what's up uh not much man just just uh just chilling you know had a little softball action last night went three for five not a big deal you know a couple runs scored a couple ribbies ops through the roof yeah ops plus just over a thousand just short of a home run, but we were at our limit anyway, so it was cool. Well, we were run ruling the team, so if I would have hit it, it would have kind of been like a walk-off because I would have been the last out, so I would have been sweet. But hit the base of the fence, got a really long single out of it, so we'll take it. Where would you play in the field? Second base. Oh, okay. Do you have any ones that you thought maybe you shouldn't be playing second base? Um, I gloved every ball that came to me. I didn't, didn't get any put-outs, but, you know, nothing got by me, so – that's what well, matters. No yeah, runs I'm, were given up because of me. Yeah, I'm talking more strictly that, like, in the way men's league softball is now, the balls are coming off the bat at, like, 115 miles an hour, and you're, like, what, 45 feet away? <laughs> oh, no, I played at, like, the edge of the grass. I was, I was well, not playing very Okay, <laughs> but still, like, the, the ball gets on you quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, That you was know, my contract. I said I'm not playing third base, so. <laughs> yeah, not so – while we're talking about rec league sports, obviously oh, we talked. I have my baseball question. If just, we're, oh, oh. Just, just wait one second. Just wait one second. So obviously we talked about the men's league thing that I was doing, right? Yeah. Last week, hand up, I did not play well. So we'll start the story with that. Just a preface like, okay, baseline, Marcus did not play well, okay? The people I played – said that their handicap was worse than mine. And the one guy shot two over par. So a, a bad handicap plus a really good score equals a shitload of points. The way the league works, you know, makes, you know, bad, bad golfer, low score. Great for point total. So my team's in second to last because we got sandbagged by these clowns and, and they're in first place. They are in first place right now after one week. Granted. I didn't play well, so that doesn't help. But I probably should have gotten a few strokes that I gave up to them, and that's irritating. So this week we're playing the the worst team, ironically, in the league. So you got to come out with a W. The team yourself. three legs. 
No, we're the second to worst team. Oh, okay. Not the worst yet. That's after one week. So, you know, technically we're tied for second, really. Yeah. You know, you got to think about it in a positive way. But, um, you know, this, this, this week we're playing the worst team tomorrow night, I guess tonight while you're listening to this. Um, got to hit the ball better than last week. That's the first one, you know, obviously. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, got to keep the composure. I got to remember – Team sport. We can score here as a comes team. Putter throw. Yeah, here comes the mm, putter throw. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll tone it down. Maybe one less Red Bull. I was. I had the shakes. You know, don't want to make excuses, but uh, everyone that was playing had two legs. You know, no excuses. Um, you know, it's cool. Uh, we'll get them this week. Hey, but, speaking of listening on different days, in case you haven't noticed, the Big Thoughts podcast. Didn't come out until Thursday of this week instead of Wednesday, as we've had to switch our programming due to Peter Che absolutely crushing the game for <laughs> captioning help. So well, if you're wondering why we're a day late and a dollar short, maybe you're just a dollar short and we're a day late on purpose. You welcome ESPN and Bali. Hey, or maybe or maybe stop being a day early, people. You ever thought about that? Just chill out a little bit. You know? Yeah. Well, anyways, I'm going to segue since we were talking anyways. about the a little bit. Uh, I watch a lot of baseball at work, you know, because we have to do the caption for that. And a lot of softball. Now, you love both of the sports now. Yes. After last week, hating them. A lot of weather delays, um, especially in the south. I don't know what's going on in the south right now, but it seems like a lot um, of bad storms. We need weather dudes here for this. Honestly, yeah, gas shortage is probably causing those storms. I, I'm just going to let everyone know, get the boat, because there's a lot of rain, and God's coming down on us. But anyways, so my question is, I was watching a little bit of college baseball. Don't remember the teams, but I remember the play. Dude hits a for sure double, right? Yeah. Outfield's throwing the ball back into yeah. the dime. field. Yeah, the cutoff guy throws it to – the catcher, catcher just totally whiffs it, and it goes to the back, right? So catcher has to turn around and go get the ball. Was it a bad yeah. throw, or did the catcher miss? Uh, so I think the, out, it, the cutoff threw a bad ball. Okay. So well, it just went important. way over the catcher. But then the guy at second went third. So is that a double and an error, or is that just a triple? No, that's a double and an error for sure. Yeah. Okay. Depending on who threw it, that's probably a double and an E6 or an E. An E outfielder. Well, well no, if you it, was said a it was cutoff. a cutoff, though. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, that would so, be a double because he, he six did or four. it himself. He got to the double or got to second base himself, but he was only able to advance because of an error throw. So you can kind of think of it that way. That's how I always did. I, uh, I was also watching uh, base running highlights because I think base running is pretty interesting. Yeah, because my thought, my theory, my thought process is just go, you know, <laughs> kind but of there's actually a lot more that goes into it. And I was watching this video of Lorenzo Kane, um, basically, and I, I don't remember exactly what happens, but uh, they had someone cop between third and second and Kane. Mm-hmm. So the dude was on second running a third Kane's on first running the second, but uh. Lorenzo Cain basically ran 
the third. Fuck, he's okay. Oh, Lorenzo stayed on first. The guy got in, caught in between second and third. So Lorenzo Kane started going to second. Yeah. So the dude throws the ball. Ah, oh, fuck. I got to look up the play. I don't remember, but people are saying, oh, that's super. And the funny thing is, as the commentators are like commentating, you don't see Lorenzo uh, Kane on screen. You yeah. just hear him saying, oh, he's doing this and this and this. Oh, great play. And oh, to me, this just seems like a guy returning. Um, the dude gets back on second, so he's safe. And to me, it just seems like a regular play. Um, Lorenzo Kane ended up on second from first place? No, he went back or... to first. Okay, so okay. so as Peter, uh, well, Spencer, you want to explain what he was trying to do? Yeah. Well, it sounds like to me what what you'll uh, like normally see is like um, you'll have guys like whatever. You always want to be the runner who like if you know you're going to get out if you're in a pickle and you yep. have another guy on base, you want him to move up to the base and you started at because then at least somebody moved up, if that makes sense. So yeah. maybe he was trying to do that, but at the same time, if he's trying to save his lead runner, he'll run, you know, he'll get in a pickle then maybe to try to entice him in and then maybe they get out of it. That's probably what I would yeah. guess. I don't know, Marcus, if he's I, different. I think what happened, yeah, it could well, have been a defensive error too because no one was covering second or first. Well, yeah. It's like whole debacle. So, so my opinion on it is not so much Lorenzo Kane trying to lure the runner or the ball back behind him, but if that runner between second and third gets caught in the rundown, then Kane's on second and you don't really give up position, you know, then, you know, while that's going on between second and third, there's no point for Kane to not try and move up because essentially you want to keep a runner on second, no matter what you'll give up the runner on first again. Right. Yeah. Now Um, let me tell you this yesterday. Twins bases bases loaded against the White Sox. I forget what inning. Um, we were up to, oh, it's the bottom of the second or top of the second because we were in Chicago. Anyways, tell me how we had. There's only one out in the inning, and in one play, there were two outs. Well, we scored a run, but then two people got out. It was a pop fly, and then um, the runner on third made it home, so we scored. But then I think the runner on second started going and then got caught out on third base. I, I messed Does it. that happen Sorry. frequently or? So, so yeah, what happened probably is, so they hit the ball to left field. Yeah. The guy tagged up at third. The throw was like came into the plate. Field. It wasn't deep. It was like yeah. left field. So the guy like took his chance, tried to score. He ends up scoring. So whatever, that's one out because the guy caught it. And then the guy at second probably advanced to the throw, but he wasn't fast enough. And the catcher either just threw him out at third or somebody cut it off because they knew they wouldn't get the guy at home. And then they just threw it to third to get the other guy. That's what happened. But as long as that guy – yeah, as long as that guy scores before the other out is recorded, then it counts. Okay, because I was going to say, like, when – I was – okay, so even though they're – the ending ended – or ending – or the inning ended that – that series of uh, events because the yeah third scored first it scores first all right right not really bogged down but man i'm just learning to love baseball right now yeah it's no, a good game it is it's a beautiful game it's you know it kind of stale, steals that uh title from soccer but yeah peter <laughs> i scores before the third out is recorded you're good to go unless okay. it's like in the air a force or, or force out 
Right. And I'll like, I'll like to conclude my segment of Peter learns baseball with, I learned the twins suck. Yeah. yeah. That, twins um, are ass. Hey, we don't need to chat about baseball for too long. We'll chat about some, some people that are heating up, some people that are cooling down. Um, right now, before Dan speaks, we're finishing up baseball. Dan, give us a sec. Um, the, the Indians quietly, um, Shane Bieber, uh, he's obviously nasty. He'll probably be in the Cy Young at the end of the year. You know, talk about again. We predicted that, or one of us had him, I feel like, again. Um, but Ramirez, Ramirez just doesn't stop. He doesn't care who's around him. He plays third base. He hits 300. He, he, he's fun to watch, but um, right now the uh, Indians bullpen has the best bullpen in the uh, ERA in the MLB. Learned that mm-hmm. today watching the Cubs. Um, so they're interesting to watch. White Sox, obviously, kind of quiet too. People thought with a few of their guys getting hurt early that they, um, you know, might squander. But what's his name? Yerman Mercedes. Yeah. If uh, Luis Robert or uh, not Luis Robert, uh, Eloy Jimenez. If he doesn't even get hurt, this Mercedes right. dude doesn't even get a chance. So that's wild. Yeah. Because he's one, ter- he's tearing it up. No, he is. And one quick thing on that. I mean, it helps that three teams in that division are, like, terrible. Like, the Royals started out pretty hot. But they've lost their last ten. The Tigers weren't going to be any good. And the Twins really not living up to expectations. So, it's looking like two-team two division, kind of, honestly, with the White Sox and uh, Cleveland. Yeah. And then looking at the East, um, your boys are still playing very good baseball. I'll let you uh, speak a little bit in a second about them. Um, Yankees are starting to play better. Don't love to see it, but you have there, you know, that's a fact. They are starting to win some ball games. Don't love hey, it. As long as Stanton keeps it up, I'm fine. Traded Sandy Alcantara for him. So that was a huge win for me. It's a great trade. Um, Blue Jays hanging right in there. Rays hanging right in there. And actually really the Orioles aren't playing that bad. Um, obviously they're 16 and 21, not great, but they don't have the best team and they're playing in a pretty tough division. So I think they're not doing horrible really. Um, given when you look at the twins and the tigers in the division before, um, you know, Orioles aren't that bad. Um, another prediction by you, which at this point this year, since you made it last year as well, might not that might not be that crazy of a prediction, but the athletics are doing well again. Um, Canna, has been nice. Olsen has been nice. Loriano's been nice, but they're getting the fuck out of Dodge. They're getting out of Dodge. Well, let's talk about that in a second too. Um, Mariners hanging out. Um, But yeah, I guess we we skipped the Red Sox. Let's bounce back to there. Well, I tell you what, I don't really need to take a whole lot of time on them because one best record in baseball they might not have that right now. The Orioles, though. They did. But as I said to you in the chat, when you try to talk, when you come in my football program and you come at the Red Sox, I'm going to clap back. And I did. And the Twins haven't won a playoff game in 18 years. so Or 18 games. So whatever. It's okay, Peter. Anyways, back to the Red Sox with the second best record in baseball. You know, we, are, we have a tough – Tough uh, series with the A's going on right now, but I think they'll pull through. And honestly, they just need to figure out. I think they got to pull up this guy. He's got a last name, Duran, Jern Duran. I don't know what his first name is, but Duran, an outfielder. 
better than Franchi Cordero. They pull him up, they'd be looking at Because the middle order, so good. You know, from one to like six, very solid. Seven through nine, not great. But, you know, that's okay. And their pitching staff, I think they'll cool down here, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But they'll be getting a rejuvenated Chris Sale coming back after the All-Star break. So, you know, it, it's always usually the measuring post is Memorial Day. And if they keep up, you know, if they keep winning a couple series here and there, they'll be in good shape. Fair. Um, looking at the NL Central, um, Cubs, like I've said, very streaky. <laughs> um, kick the fuck, handled Dodgers in pretty much every which way that you wanted them to. Started to gain some traction where uh, – you know, getting closer back to the top of the division after they were playing like ass bag to start the year. I got so, a bone to pick with the Dodgers too. Okay, give me a sec. Yep. Um, when the Cubs get two starts in a row out of Zach Davies where he goes six innings, no runs, and you don't win, you're not going to win the division. That Like that sucks, and we've seen it now. The Cubs can score 16 runs on anyone proven that but they've also proven that they can score zero runs on a lot of people too so maybe let's meet in the middle i would like five runs a game just i don't need the big games i don't need the you know it when when kyle hendricks is struggling right now uh just straight up he is not the person who he's been in the past i don't think that'll last but so far it hasn't been good and when you have zach davies stepping up and pitching very good in the last two starts and you can't get him a dub when he's gone six plus no earned runs both times that stinks um but javi looks better chris bryant talked about him enough he looks you know good wilson Contreras, solid um still looking for riz to get better but jock peterson's heating up um he's got 10 hits over his last uh six games um and he had a really bad start to the season after a very very insane cactus league spring training. Um, so um, one thing I've seen out of him real quick, and then we can, we can move on from the cubbies. Uh, I think they're trying to get the power out of Jack, which sounds crazy because he is a pull power hitter and everyone knows that. Um, but he's been, been laying off the high hacks, the heavy big hacks, and he's been putting the ball in left field, which if we could get that out of Jock Peterson, I don't think the home runs will go away. That's just good swings. So obviously that changes what the team looks like. Um, but the Cubs need to get healthy. Um, last week and the week before when I was talking shit about the Brewers not getting healthy, well, here we are. Here's baseball. Cubs ain't healthy. Karma. Yeah, maybe so. That's fair. But um, the last two games, uh, at, at one point or another in the game, Jock Peterson was playing center field if that says uh, kind of where we're at, but I don't know. They'll figure it out. Bullpen looks solid. Kimbrell looks really good. Um, so yeah. Baseball. So standing. yeah. Um, um, what was your well, bone to pick with the Dodgers? The of... Yeah. So Real quick, when and I then look we'll... at power rankings, that was really cute. Oh, you're froze. You froze. When you look at power rankings, what? I, well, I was waiting for you. I thought you had something to say, man. You said quick, and then what? No, I was going to say real quick, what were you going to say about the Dodgers? Well, look at power rankings. I think it's bullshit that ESPN and everybody else 
has the Dodgers at number one when they've gone like five and 15 in their last 20 games. And then they go, well, they're in a rough patch right now, but come October, they'll be the number one team. Well, I'm sorry. The power rankings don't reflect where we think things are going to go. They reflect on the current state of the game. So why don't you all take your power rankings and go home? Because I don't want to hear about it. I just don't want to hear about it, you know? So okay. I don't I don't pay for ESPN Plus to read that. That's hey, all I got to say. Spencer came here to do two things. Kick ass and drink some beers. And it looks like we're almost out of beers. Yeah, so looking at you, ESPN. Um, Need better out of you. Before, uh, before we kick it over to um, Coach Osiki, associate head coach for the University of Wisconsin Hockey, um, you'll hear it in the interview, but you guys should go check out his uh, auction online. Um, you can go to casting4, like the number 4kids.com. Um, and we're talking like legitimately – like if this is going on an online like big time auction all these items we're talking like a hundred thousand dollars worth of items like some of these are game worn from the 80s signed by hall of famers we got christian yelich signed you know the list goes on and on Uh, you can go to the website yourself and check it out but without further ado here's coach oz from the university of Wisconsin. Uh, from St. Paul, Minnesota, I believe that's correct. That's right. Um, played for the Madison Capitals, played for UW, obviously, played for the Flames, had a 50 game season, pretty oh, nice. Yeah, Flames, baby. And then the coaching career is where it really begins that with the Gamblers for seven years, with UW as an assistant for a while, Ohio, Ohio State head coach. Um, Rockford Ice Hogs. I'd like to talk about that name in a little bit because that's awesome, obviously. Um, and then since 2016, you've been back with Tony um, as the associate head coach. Um, sorry that was a, such a long intro, but how are you doing? <laughs> no problem. I'm doing great. How about you guys? You know, hanging in there, just talking about some sports, obviously, with, uh, with Big Ten things winding down. We talk a little bit more about baseball and a lot more about bullshit but yeah that's okay yeah. well right? you got nhl playoffs coming up so that's right that'll be yeah. fun to talk about you can continue to talk about cole caulfield again he scored again today <laughs> yeah that, he uh we might as well talk about him right away <laughs> since we, i don't know why people are still doubting him and i would like to hear your thoughts on what it was like to watch him from kind of the background like just to, to observe quite a spectacle that he is in scoring goals. Yeah. I mean, you saw him at a young age coming up and had obviously uh, some great mentoring by his dad, his dad, I played with his dad, junior hockey and uh, very similar type players. Uh, obviously Cole's a higher level player overall, um, but very similar. And he, he grew up in a rink and, and he also grew up around a lot of hockey players and watched and emulated and worked at it. And certainly you can't teach his goal scoring, uh, skills that he has that no one's going to teach that uh, he has magic in that stick and he has to find a way but he also works at it it's pretty cool to see but you know even watching him all the way up he was always a goal scorer but he was always a pretty dominant player what people always said is that he's too small at some point the game's going to swallow him up 
Well, but not if you're that smart. If you're, if you're going to find the open spaces and uh, put yourself in a spot where you're not going to get killed uh, and get rocked very often, he do, and he doesn't. And if he does get, if someone does take a run at him, he can handle, he's a tough little SOB. So, um, you know, and he's not afraid of that. And that actually, actually gets him into the game. So it's actually fun to watch right now at, at where people still said, well, he's too small. Yeah, he won Hobie. Uh, he had a great college career, but let's see what's going to happen in the NHL. Well, he, what, does he have four goals right now? So in limited time, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think I think the stat was in his two years at Wisconsin, he took or was on the butt end of six major penalties, and he ended up scoring on four of those ensuing <laughs> penalties. <laughs> if, if that doesn't speak a little bit to how tough he is, that, uh, you know, doesn't say a lot. But um, – I'd like to bring up the Madison Capitals quick. So they don't have any stats on there uh, on your hockey DB for that. So now's your time that you can tell us any <laughs> stats that you want and, and no one would know the difference. Well, I think <laughs> I led the team in points. I am we pretty sure believe that you. way. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't think that we had a, we had a, actually had a really fun team. Obviously you see some names on there uh, with Dennis Snedden and, and uh, Robbie Andringa. Um, Donnie Granato, um, <laughs> Paul Caulfield, uh, Joe Mussey. I mean, the list went on. The team was outstanding. Ty Agner, who's coaching at Bowling Green, now was on that team. Uh, we did uh, incredibly well. I, I just remember my first game. I joined that team halfway through the year. And I remember coming in practice at MIA. And obviously, I knew Donnie Granato and, and Scotty Owens was a coach. Bobby Suter was assistant coach. And um, I jumped on the ice at MIA and all I had was elbow pads, shin pads, and a helmet, no mask, no shoulder pads, no pants. And I'm out there blocking shots and Donnie skates <laughs> up to me. And he goes, what in the hell are you doing? I said, I don't know. This is just normal for me. And, and then we jumped on the bus and went to Sioux city and it was the old barn in Sioux city. Uh, the rink is probably half the size of the coal center, you know, basically from the goal line to the far blue line. And so every shot was a great shot. And I, I think I ended up locking like 15 to 20 shots <laughs> because you're always in the way. So I, I mean, it totally my game and I, I couldn't skate very well. So I always fell on the ice to block a shot. So. <laughs> <laughs> that never hurts. Um, going on to your UW career. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you could see it in your coaching. You could see it the way you played that. And you just talked about the block shots. Defensive came first, but. Um, I believe your junior year, your last year, um, you had 43 points in 46 games and uh, ended with a national title. Uh, That's a lot of points for a guy who likes blocking shots, but um, also 78 penalty minutes. But uh, talk a little bit about that season and and some of the guys on that team and what it was like to play with those boys. The, the team was incredible. We were unbelievably tight knit. Um, we went through two years prior with probably better and more talented teams. When you had a, you know, a Steve Tuttle, a Curtis Joseph around there, Paul Stanton, Paul Ranheim, and all of a sudden you walk away with nothing and you end up losing in the NCAA tournament. It's hard to win, but you do have to look, go through those growing pains and understand how to learn, how to learn to win and, but also how to be a team. And so our 90 group, we, we, we went through those tough times and learned how to, battle through it, learned how to play for each other. And we were a band of brothers. I mean, we still are today. Um, but the team was incredibly talented. I mean, when you have a Doug McDonald on our fourth line center, <laughs> who's an NHL player and NHL center, that just speaks volumes. I mean, on the back end, I mean, Robbie and Drink and I were partners. And then you had uh, Rob Mandel and, and Sean Hill. Pretty much the four of us played 
uh, as that year went on nonstop. But then you threw Barry Richter in there as a freshman. He started out playing D, and then he moved up to forward, then back to D. So we kind of moved around. Um, but really on that team, all you had to do was get the puck in Chris Tansel's or, or Gary Shuchuk's hands, Johnny Bice's hands. You know, it's going to be in the back of the net. So if you're smart, you just give him the puck. Yeah, just just get it up there. <laughs> anywhere near the net. Get um, it out of my hands. I'll block some more shots. <laughs> exactly. Um, what was it like playing in the Coliseum? Um, I've heard from a from a fan perspective, uh, from my dad at least, it was quite quite the uh, scene to watch a hockey game in there during those days. Uh, what was it like playing in there for you? You know, it's funny. I, I actually got the chills right now. Just. <laughs> thinking about that and talking about it it was incredible you know like that place was actually absolutely jam-packed two season tickets friday and saturday you couldn't get a ticket everybody in between periods the place emptied out and everyone got hammered underneath and drinking beer <laughs> the band was out there leaning over the glass right in the the opponent's ears i mean it was incredible it, it was such a fun place to play and such a great home ice advantage I mean, the, the boards, I mean, they rocked and the whole thing's wobbled back and forth and people went crazy. I'm not sure if they knew what the hell they were watching, but it was uh, it was absolutely a blast playing in there. Well, it wasn't uh, that uncommon for a few plays to spill into the beer garden and or through the glass, was it? Like, there it was no. pretty short glass there too, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the glass used to pop out because I said the boards wobbled back and forth, glass would pop out. Guys could run in between. And the benches, there wasn't anything separating the benches other than the beer garden and, and uh, some cement. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there were a lot of things that went on in that building. It was a blast. Oh, I, I, that's something that I definitely wish that uh, I could have seen with with my own two eyes, no doubt. Um, what was it like? Uh, we'll jump up to some coaching stuff. What was it like coaching up in Green Bay um, and – you know, obviously you were uh, an assistant at North Dakota for a year, but what was it like taking your first real job and, you know, getting thrown into a, a league that's no joke? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That first year, uh, I'll go to the North Dakota thing real quick. Um, that thing came around. I ended up having a career-ending injury and, and kind of stymied a little bit of my hockey career. And Dean Blaze had an opening. I went up and, and my interview literally was drink beer, play golf. I mean, that, that, that was it. And, you know, uh, we played nine holes. I don't know if I could stand by the time I got to the ninth hole because no one can keep up with Dean Blaze. And he's like, hey, you want the job? <laughs> and so the way yeah. that went. And, uh, you know, so we, we moved up there and God bless my wife. She moves up there without seeing it. We, had, we hit the 100 year flood that year. So lost Oof. everything, lost her home. Um, and then all of a sudden, late August rolls around, maybe September, Donnie Granado calls me. And he, he's like, Hey, I got a, I got a situation right now that uh, I may be leaving green Bay. And I said, and he goes, well, you'd have interest. And I said, sure I would, but you got to talk to Dean blaze. <laughs> and so Donnie, Donnie calls Dean and uh, Dean actually went crazy. I'm saying, what the hell are you doing? Call me this late in August, early September. And he goes, yeah, of course you can talk to him. And so away it went, I mean, end up taking that job in, in green Bay where you really get, you know, you're, you're doing everything soup to nuts at that time. We were selling mm -hmm. advertising, selling the boards, the dasher boards, the on ice advertising, doing the pro shop, all the gear in the pro shop, uh, sharpening skates. I'd be before games and, and scouts. <laughs> I remember like yesterday. So Grant Stanbrook used to be here as an assistant coach. And uh, then he moved on to Maine and he always used to come and, and pick my brain on different things and drills and blocking shots. And I'd be sharpening skates and throw my tie over the shoulder. Grant be asking me about drills and, and different things and technique for blocking shots. 
and I'd have players asking me for certain hollow and radius on the skates. And all I do is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had no idea what I was doing other than putting some sort of edge on the skates. But um, I love my time in Green Bay. I actually did an interview last night with somebody that was up there as a media personnel. And uh, I'd moved back to Green Bay in a heartbeat. That was uh, such a great place. Uh, we started our family there. Both kids were born in Green Bay and uh, became a, you know, a lifelong Packer fan. So I'm sure you might not like that, but that's, uh, it was awesome to be that close and see an organization like that. It was from a mentorship standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, it was incredible. Well, or, you know, even though you were sharpening the skates and Spencer, I'll let you interject about the Packers thing. Cause I know that's what's about to come <laughs> out, but um you didn't have, I mean, we don't need to get in depth about it, but you had some pretty sweet, you had some pretty good teams up there too. Um, looking at these win-loss records are it's pretty, you know, not too shabby for if the head coach is sharpening skates. We had, you know what, our teams were outstanding. And the one thing that we always said up there was, uh, and our owner was John Stafker. So obviously a local uh, entrepreneur here in town. And I had his son on the, on the team as well. Um, but we always said that it, it really wasn't about winning. It was about us. Let's just get better. Let's develop skill, develop players. Winning will be a byproduct, and that's all. That that's how we approached every day. Uh, I think the NHL guys like it because I was black and white with them. Uh, we had a lot of kids drafted in the NHL. It was a blast to be able to pull these kids in, see them, see them do incredibly well, um, you know, and and transform their careers. I mean, it, you know, you're trying a lot of different things at that that time to try to help these guys get to a higher level and reach their ultimate goal and. Uh, so it was pretty cool. I mean, we had two, two quick stories, two players that uh, we had there, Tom Price in one, Danny Besser being another, a Badger. And both guys were very similar. They came in highly touted out of Minnesota as forwards. They come into Green Bay, play a year, and we need a defenseman. And you're going, God, nothing's happened for these guys. And so we switched them back to D. And one, one year later, they're jumping in at a D1 level. And then, you know, Tom Price ended up being retired, uh, making as much money as he did in the NHL. And Danny Besser having a hell of a career uh you know and, and battling through what he had but had a hell of a career uh spence do you have anything that we're a pro packers while well, minus peter we're a hardcore pro packers podcast well uh, the only thing i gotta interject is you were trying to tell us that uh <laughs> he was a vikings fan where did that misinformation come from well, <laughs> maybe i'm wrong in that but i feel like sitting in the coach's room one time that we were talking about the packers and i thought i could have swore you were a viking fan but that's no. That's that's bad on me. I, no, I, I grew up. I grew up obviously a, a Viking fan, but never hardcore. And when you live in Green Bay and you work with them, and our players were in their locker room doing uh, certain odds and ends in terms of jobs. And uh, Red Batty, their equipment manager, is one of my very good friends. Uh, you, you learn a lot. I mean, I, I can tell you a short story if we have time for it. But one one of my Absolutely. first one of my first trips over to Green Bay, the the locker room, and it's the old locker room before they did the first renovation of Lambeau. Uh, so they did all our laundry, did all our towels, did all our mending of the uniforms. So we go on a, our first road trip. It was a preseason tournament in Hayward. I come back, Red goes, just pull up to the back and come to the loading dock. Pull right, it, pull your car right, back it up. There's like four stairs and it steps right into the, into the locker room, into the uh, training room or the equipment room. And so I pull in and I go in. I've got these three, bag, three green, bright green bags, Packer green bags, and they're heavier than hell because everything's soaking wet. So I grab them, we go in, the, we go in and uh, there was this website called Slam Hockey and it was a Canadian-based website. So Red was all Jack because he's a hockey guy. He's originally from Montreal. So we're on there for maybe two hours looking through everything. Hey, do you know this? Do you know this? And he's a storyteller. Well, I come out 
I open the door and again, it's four steps down and then, then there's your car. And I'm like, so I, I open the door and I look at, and there's Bob Harlan standing with his hands on his hips. I parked him in. I had no idea. So he couldn't go anywhere. He had his black Cadillac. And I, before I could say anything, he's like, ah, coach, anytime I'm parked here, you park me in. I shouldn't be parked here. Anything we can do for you, just let us know. That was my introduction. Oh. That. But, yeah, I'd say that kind of that kind of sets in. But there, there's definitely something about Green Bay, though, when you're up there. Right? Or, you know, I've never lived there, but obviously just the atmosphere for Packer games, it's the city. Uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. Swallows you, surrounds you like it's hard <laughs> not to get interjected into that. Um, but uh move forward towards well uh, how do you feel about a raj yeah true i mean true. that's the elephant in the room how are yeah, we feeling yeah. about rogers yeah, is I, he gonna come yeah. back or i mean the only thing that i the only thing i'd like to see is him back i mean i you know yeah. obviously the business side of it and some personalities and and some things that might get in the way but for the packers and packers as a whole in the state and packer nation you hope he's back you know you yeah. just hope they can work it out and figure out how he can be back yeah it, it, I see both sides. Like, obviously you said the business side and, you know, I don't think the Packers drafted love as the replacement for last year or for this year, but Rogers took it as that. And it's seems like a ton of miscommunication, uh, uh, you know, totaled up over 16 years. That is potentially unmendable, but some people are kind of talking that we have like a last dance, Michael Jordan sort of situation going on where he might be forced into play one, one more year. Or, or, you know, because he would lose $800,000 this year if he sits out. So it would be interesting. But Yeah, I hope he doesn't. Oh, I know. <laughs> At least there's some weapons around uh, Jordan Love if it gets to that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, looking, uh, since you've been back with uh, Tony and, you know, Don was back too, um, what, what was it like uh, getting asked to, you know, be the associate head coach with Tony? And what was it like? getting three Wisconsin alums back together um, to coach at Wisconsin. You know what? It, it was really easy. Um, my relationship with Granados go way back. I mean, <clears throat> Donnie and I have known each other since grade eight. And uh, actually Donnie came to Burnsville, played for my dad. We played together in high school. His other brother, Robbie came as well. And he was on our team. And so our, our relationship goes a long ways back. And when this all came about and all of a sudden we're talking about all three of us going back there and have an opportunity, it was a no brainer. I mean, it was, it was super easy. It felt like family. Uh, it was a super fun thing to step into and try to rebuild Badger program where it should be. And, uh, you know, it's been a process, but uh, it was a really easy no brainer uh, to be able to come back. You didn't need nine holes to make the decision on this one. <laughs> what you're no, no, I didn't need a case of beer and nine holes. <laughs> um. Speaking of Donnie, before we speak a little bit about uh, this last year, um, Donnie's putting together, you know, obviously his season's running out here, but I, I think it's his job, right? Have they offered him that yet? You know <laughs> what? I was talking to him today and, uh, you know, didn't really push the envelope. I know they're having exit meetings and he was doing some more meetings and, and you saw the media thing today. Um, I, I think he's in a really good spot. He's a hell of a hockey coach. He's one of the best coaches I've ever been around. I learn a ton from him on a daily basis when he's around. And now we, and we still talk once a week, um, he's going to put, he put himself in a great spot, whether he gets that job or not, he's going to land on his feet. 
Uh, he's going to be a head coach. And, and if he has to coach in the American League, so be it, because he's going to promote himself right back to the NHL. I was talking to uh, Jake McCabe today uh, just to check on how his recovery is going with his knee. And so I asked his opinion, what is Donnie going to be back? And he goes, you know what? All the guys hope he is. He, he, they loved him. They loved the transformation of the, the, the organization, um, his enthusiasm, his positivity. Uh, they all think he's a hell of a hockey coach. And so that, that was Jake's take on it. He was hoping that, you know, from the team standpoint, they all hope he's going to be back. Yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, obviously with Don's, uh, you know, we don't need to get into his health, but obviously, you know, you know about his health and he's one, he's one tough, one tough guy. There's no, no question about that, but um, I haven't had the chance to meet him, but if he's anything like uh, the other Granado, I know, I'm sure he, he's probably a fantastic guy. Um, looking, uh, or, you know, towards this last year, uh, here, obviously the team, the team was better. Um, the eye test, the stats, um, the deep down longtime fans, it, it was so clear. Um, and w- what did that take to, or, you know, last year you could see it getting better. Um, you could see the skills starting to come through, but we just didn't quite get all put together. This year pretty much got all put together. It's just a few few things that came up short. But um, where did that growth come from? I think the growth is just the overall process of the transformation of the whole program and, and building it back up and, and building it the right way, uh, creating the culture, which was really done over the course of when, when COVID hit all the way until we started up again. Our, our leadership was incredible. Um, so that, that's really where it started was from our leaders and their ability to take, uh, their thought process. And, and obviously we, we can massage it as a staff, but it's still their team and it's their room. Um, and they were very mature. And, and so their leadership was incredible. Um, we wouldn't have been where we were at without their leadership skills and, and how they were able to carry it through right into the dressing room onto the ice. But every single day, I mean, you, 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 you step in the locker room, you step in the coal center, you step on the ice. It was a blast to be there every day. They wanted to learn. They wanted more. They wanted to be coached. Uh, they wanted to push each other. So, you know, our, our culture is established, and I think that's going to be carried forward. You see the leadership group going into next year. It's going to be carried forward. And the kids coming in uh, are terrific kids. I mean, really humble kids, hungry kids. They're badgers. They're, they're going to bleed red and white. Uh, they're, they're going to be fun kids, not only to coach, but for everyone to watch. Looking at some of the guys that are coming back, um, one thing I noticed this year, and obviously a lot of other people noticed as well, um, the defense was much better. The penalty kill, again, much better. Um, and a lot more grit. Um, there was no getting pushed around this year. Uh, and that that was clear. Um, I'm assuming a lot of that came from a little, you know, giving them a little kick in the butt, uh, saying, let's get a little tougher here, boys. But um, what was your thought process and how did you get those guys to commit to playing that style of hockey? Well, I think it was just badger hockey. I mean, it was, it was basically what we've been asking and, and it's certainly Tony's personality that's coming through, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, but you know, like I said, that you go right from the leaders on down, they, they, they got it. They, 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 they had it. They figured that out. Um, they wanted to play uh, on the edge that way. Um, you know, and, and so moving forward, it's going to be the same thing. And it just probably just add more depth and uh, some more experience on it. Um, you know, like I said, the, the goaltending was outstanding this year. <laughs> that, that, that allowed us to uh, continue to improve. Uh, certainly, you're not going to have penalty killing without goaltending. And 
when you do draw a power play, you, at some point you got to put it in the back of the net. And obviously you had some great magic on that five guys that had great chemistry. Like, like we said, you can't teach what Cole did. I mean, he's going to be in the back of the net. Everyone tried to stop him, but still in the back of the net. Uh, you had two other guys on there that were really uh, that we've lost in, in terms of um, Holloway and Bice and then Weisbach, I should say, three other guys that are lost, but they were incredible. Their chemistry was incredible. And then you had the grit in front of the net with Roman. So it was just <laughs> a great group of five. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to build on that. I don't think we'll have that ga- that same goal score like Cole uh, that only comes around once in a while. So, uh, but we'll, replace. yeah, we'll find a different way to do it. Yeah, well, it's kind of it's kind of tough when you know not even every team has one of those every year. You don't see one of those goal scorers every 15, 20 years, so it's pretty special. But um, yeah, like you said, Roman in front of the net. Uh, that's a that's a place I wouldn't want to be. Um, <laughs> you you add Mersh along with that, and that's a place I really wouldn't want to be. He's uh, he's a he's a wacko, but. Um, one last question about the team, just uh, since he was a defenseman as well. Um, Anthony Kerr um, impressed a lot of people and probably this year alone made him into a high, a high draft pick probably. Um, did, did you see that coming, uh, you know, out of recruitment? And uh, is that get, like coming from Inamoto or – I don't know. He, he looks special and sorry, I'm beating around the bush, but where does that come from? Yeah. Anthony, to be honest with you, um, we had him committed and we went to watch the NCDP tryouts and Anthony was there as he was a dual citizen and uh, they, they didn't take him. whether there was a mix up with a visa and all this kind of stuff. I, I'm not sure, but they, they chose to go a different direction and we walked away. I mean, everyone looks through different glasses and that's what makes the, that makes the world go round, certainly mm-hmm. in scouting and recruiting. Uh, but we walked away and said he had to be a top four defenseman with that group after that tryout. And that's how we felt. And we never changed and never wavered on that. Then he goes to uh, Sioux city and the USHL and he did well. Um, you know, it's hard in that league uh, early, especially an underage kid. Uh, and then the next year he gets hurt. And so he was just trying to tread water and get back healthy and then get back up to speed. Uh, so he never really hit stride. Um, but when he came into us, I mean, he, with the one thing that he has shown and, and since day one, the first time you ever watched him, he, he played the game in terms of without the puck when he was retrieving a puck, he knew where everyone was. He knew all nine other players, skaters around the ice, just like Justin Schultz. And uh, very similar. The difference is, is Kiersey's about 10 times wider than Schultz was. <laughs> and, you know, Anthony's a, a, a brick, you know what house and and he plays that way and he's not afraid to mix it up lock shots he, he's going to be a hell of a hockey player that's for sure yeah it, it'll be exciting to watch him develop um i think into being an absolute you know potential superstar defenseman of the year type player um in the big 10 um spencer if you don't have any more for hockey we can move on to your crown jewel well i got one thing and it's kind of more of like a like a technique, I guess, or, I mean, you know, you're a tough guy, you're blocking shots is, is like how Roman, you know, parks in front of the net. Is that kind of taught? Like, is that something you guys are like, Hey, you'd be good at this. Or is that just more of like a natural, like, Hey coach, like I'm not afraid to get in front of a couple pucks. Like I'll sit there, maybe get a, a lucky bounce or two. I would say that it's definitely worked on and, and watch video a skill set that, that can continue to be honed in and worked on. And Tony and Strobes do a lot of that with the forwards. 
Um, but there also has to be a want. I mean, it, it has mm -hmm. to be inside you. Um, and you got to have that little bit goofiness. The, the switch has to be flipped on and you know, you're going to get hacked and whacked and, and then you're going to turn around and dish it, dish it out as well. Yeah. Within reason. And, and Roman has that. I mean, you, you see it and you mentioned it before Mersh is similar to that. Jack Gorniak's not afraid to get hard areas. Um, you're going to see a Carson Bantle coming in at six, five forward, the same thing. He, he's not afraid to do some of that stuff, but what Roman has is that, and he's, he, this has never changed since he played at Burnsville coming out of high school hockey. He played on the edge, always incredibly hard, but he was able to make plays under pressure. Uh, so he has a skill set to go along with it. So it's a great combination, but his, his energy he never takes a shift off. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of just a quick follow up on that. When they, when you played in the big 10 championship against Minnesota and you're down five to one or six to one or whatever, Roman had a goal and it was, I mean, obviously you guys crawled back into that game, but it, you know, it looked like he had just scored like the game winning goal. I mean, so you talk about that energy, like, Hey, he never shuts it off. Like, you know, it was six to two at that point, but he's like, Hey, like, you know, get your heads out of your asses kind of in a way, like, let's do this thing, you know? So it was cool to see. Yeah. And everyone feeds off that. I mean, right. for sure feeds off it, which is awesome. And, and the same thing in practice. I mean, he never takes, a sh you know, any practice off any comp competitive drill that we do. He's, he's always right on the edge. <laughs> Yeah, he, he is wired. Um, so let's talk about casting for kids. Um, if I'm reading here correct, the last or in your first two years, you raised over $160,000 for um, the Children's Hospital and the Carbone Cancer Center. Um, I'm going to pretend like I'm stupid and like I've never read your brochure. You're going to pretend? Oh, yeah, I don't even have to pretend. <laughs> you put that on a T. I mean, that was pretty. Yeah, easy. that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> so talk to me normally, like I wouldn't understand a thing about this day. Sure. So th th this tournament is something, obviously, fishing is a passion of mine. Um, I used to do a lot of radio interviews on the outdoor radio network. And uh, so I started talking to a guide about the potential of, I have always had this idea of doing a fishing tournament that we could end up doing something for the children's hospital and the carbon cancer center. And so we just talked about it, tossed it around after one interview. And, and all of a sudden we met and had a beer. Uh, we grabbed one other guide and we started talking. So we just said, let's pick a date and let's start it. Let's, let's see what happens. And uh, to our surprise, um, you know, he, th this other guy had a, let's set a goal of 25 grand. I said, Oh, we're, we're shooting for over 50. I know we're small <laughs> potatoes. You know, and it, it literally was three of us throwing it together and it ended up turning out unbelievably well. Um, and and the, the event is really not, it's not about the fishing. Uh, it's really about getting out on the water, having fun. Uh, in a normal non-COVID year, we do a dinner auction afterwards, which is a blast. It's a, it's a party. I mean, it's guys coming off the boat. They're wearing t-shirts, hats, shorts, uh, red solo cups flowing with beer, you know, and that's our thought process. And then uh, one of my really good friends, Steve Kressel, worked a long time with Ducks Unlimited, and so he bring in his staff. So he would do all the, uh, the auction and the whole event. He would plan the whole thing out. That's what he did for his livelihood. So as he would say, he goes, hey, Oz, we're going to do this thing, but it's going to be fast. It's going to be an hour. We're going to do it fast. And so everyone's going to have fun. The auctioneer is going to come in and keep it going. We'll keep the, the beer flowing. And so it, and it was. So all of a sudden, the second year, we were really jacking it up. And we outgrew the East Side Club. Last year, we had a plan to go to the Alliant Energy Center in the convention area. We were planning on 500 people. And yeah. obviously, it got shut down. And then this year, we didn't know. So you're going, <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, talk to Dane County. Talk to Alliant Energy Center. Okay, we got to put a hold on that. Now, what are we doing? Are we doing the fishing part of it? 
So we decided, yeah, let's do the fishing part of it. Then Tom Binger at the Green Lantern opened their doors. And so we're able to do a small happy hour and uh, trophy presentation right after the event. And it, it'll be fun. We'll have, we'll do it a little bit different. We won't have a live auction going, but we'll have uh, a bunch of items there. The bu bucket raffle is basically going to be a, doing a raffle. Uh, so everyone can throw in money and you get raffle tickets, drop them in a bucket and have an opportunity to win some pretty cool things. And then we took the rest of the items and put it on the online auction, which has been unbelievable. It's been, <laughs> it's been really cool. It's fun to see the, the items that are on there. Hopefully people will get after it and we'll keep on spreading the, the word on it. But you know, for us to, to start that out and not really knowing, again, I had Ducks Unlimited help me build that thing. So it's, it's pretty cool. But again, it's all about us raising, raising some money, some awareness, uh, giving back to the Children's Hospital and the uh, Carbone Cancer Center. That's what it's all about anyway. I could say personally, I appreciate that so much. And I can probably go out on a limb and say I can speak for other people when I say thank you so much for doing that. But um, yeah, some of these auction items are, and you know, it helps that you have sweet connections and a sweet job, but some of these auction items, um, sign Christian Yelich, sign Mark Johnson from his retirement Jersey or his Jersey retirement night, um, Ernie Banks, uh, there's an Aruzioni, the lit, the Paul coffee, I believe, um, the, the list goes on and on, um, how honestly how did you get all of these this is this is wild <laughs> I'm not, no i'm serious i'm not even trying to butter you up it, these are awesome you know what's funny is chris tansel just asked me that here uh, the other day he's like how the hell do you get all that i walk in that room and it's incredible i look online it's incredible well ho hockey's pretty humble uh, our sport we're lucky mm -hmm. all our guys are really humble they're, they're understanding their roots um i think their their family values and uh, here's a great example so i you know, you ask, I, I ask certain people, certain uh, some favors and trying to get some items and typically no one ever says no. Um, but I, I don't reach out all the time. So two people, I mentioned them earlier, Jake McCabe. I think I might've reached out to him at some point. Hey, how's your knee doing? And he asked about the event. My knee's better. I want to partake in the event. Well, he texts me today. He goes, Hey, the jerseys aren't in. Uh, Buffalo has not gotten them in. I feel bad. I said, don't worry about it. I didn't even, I guess I, I didn't realize we were even doing a jersey, but you know, so he checked in on his own. And then I had Luke Cunning two days ago text me and he goes, Hey, Oz, how come, uh, how come you didn't ask for a jersey? I said, because I bugged you before. I bugged you last year or the year before. I didn't want to bug you. I wanted you to get, get your feet underneath you in Nashville, get going. And he's like, no, I'm pissed at you. I want to send you, I'm sending you a jersey. I'm dropping it now and be here to, I got it yesterday. I got it one day. And so that, that's kind of what we deal with. I mean, these guys are awesome they, they, across all across, whether it's North America. I mean, Craig Button up in Calgary that does a lot with TSN and the world junior stuff. Mm -hmm. He reached out right away. Hey, what can I get you? So, I mean, it's incredible how people bend over backwards to help out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've yet to meet a, a badger. I haven't liked at the Cole center. I've ran into, I think I met McCabe. I've met Cunning a few times and Craig Smith too. And they're all, you know, obviously I'm friends with the guys on the team now, but they're all super humble. Um, I'd say Spencer, we've actually talked about that a lot on here. The, the humility that a lot of hockey players have, um, it, it, it says a lot, um, for such a tough and aggressive sport, um, to be so kind and so humble and really just quite generous. So, you know, we really appreciate that Oz. Um, we appreciate your time Yeah, and, Spencer, do you have any more questions? Um, I don't think so. Other than what's, what's your favorite 
what's your favorite type of fish to go after oh, and what's your biggest fish that you've ever caught and if it's you know you could stretch it out a little bit too if no, i don't stretch no, no <laughs> chance I stretch. although everyone will tell me or say that i am stretching it but no obviously musky musky is my uh my yeah. number one passion uh, i love it i'm hooked on it <laughs> it's a pain in the ass um, oh, yeah. i drive you nuts uh, but i'm absolutely hooked on it so uh, I, I think now I've gotten to the point where I don't really care if I catch a fish. I want somebody mm -hmm. else in the boat to catch a fish. Uh, and last year I was able to get uh, Brad Bice's son, his first muskie up in Eagle River. I mean, there's nothing better than that. So it's so cool to see that and see the excitement. Um, so that, that's, that's the passion. That's the fish I try to get after. Uh, the biggest one I've got is 53 inches. So 53. <laughs> I've had a bigger one on. So we have it on video. It's probably close to 58 to 59 inches. The thing was a, a monster yeah and uh, we had hooks in it and it got off so it was it was, <laughs> it was heartbreaking but it was fun <laughs> to watch on the video that's for sure yeah oh um how many boats will you end up having uh, you know what we were uh, we were going to do 60 boats and i think we're at 64 um we're out of guides so anyone that's coming now has to bring their own boat and and sign up as a as a trio and jump in their own boat uh they uh, you can go with one or two it doesn't even matter but um, so the guides have been outstanding. Like I said, they, they, they're, they're the key to the whole thing. Them giving up their time, their boat, their energy, um, their resources with their lures and rods. And uh, they're incredible. They do an un unreal job and we would be nowhere without them. Um, and if people want to look, look at our, uh, our website, go to casting for the number four kids.com. Uh, that's where you can look at all our, our, you know, the situation that's going on for the event, but also it has a link to the online auction as well. Awesome. Um, well, I believe I'm going to take you up on that beer offer and probably the boat ride as well. Perfect. I look forward to that. <laughs> um, I appreciate your time so much. I appreciate um, all the time that you've spent with me over the last few years, but um, we really appreciate you um, for stopping by and taking your time to talk to us tonight. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. Well, yeah, I'll, you see you well. So I'll see you soon. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have a beer next Saturday. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. See you, boys. Thanks. See ya. All right. Thanks again to Coach Josiki for taking his time with us. Um, chat about a little hockey some old school brawls in the coliseum getting beer dumped on him that's always totally roasting marcus hilarious yeah he did call me stupid that's fair um but oh, you kind of you kind of called yourself that i did <laughs> i did call myself stupid but I, I that's that's fine i mean he might not be wrong he might not be wrong but um obviously go to casting for kids like the number four um bid on the silent auction stuff right now there are game worn nhlers right now signed jerseys going for two hundred dollars yeah cheap you can get jerseys right now from the auction for cheaper than you can get it from the pro shop it would be a real shame if somehow somebody bought me a paul coffee signed jersey i mean that's just you know if there is a listener out there that you just want to donate for a good cause you're like hey i don't i don't know what to do with this i'll take i'll you know what i'll be the one hand up I'll dive in the grenade. I'll take the blow. You can give me the Paul coffee jerseys. And so there you go. Answer. It'd be a, uh, it'd be a real shame if I happened to, to, to run into a friend of the program, uh, 
Joe Pavelski and he gave the big thoughts another signed stick. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, yeah, go check out um, his auction and yeah, give your money to good, give your money to the cause. kids. Yes. Cause, yeah. If you, you know, forget Dogecoin, don't funnel your money into Doge, funnel your money to the children's hospital. No more Doge crypto going to the moon. Yeah. Save some lives. Children's yeah. hospital to the moon, but um, we'll kick it over now. Mulch is fucking here. State of hockey with wild Dan, the boys, the playoffs are set. The teams are set. The stage is set. What's up, Wild Dan? Oh, we're doing great, boys. How about yourselves? Look at that mustache. Oh. Do, you, do you put a little, like, mascara in there? I see some dark spots. Oh. Or is that Sharpie? No, I just push really hard before I go to bed. <laughs> Say a little prayer before I go to bed and I wake up with a little... And it grows a little bit dry. more each night. Hair by hair. One by one. But now we're doing good. Um, it's been a good week so far. It's kind of a nail biter um, in certain divisions, and certain divisions are definitely surprising in terms of how they've, you know, uh, you know, shaken out uh, down the stretch here. So we're definitely, uh, you know, in line for a very exciting playoffs, which I think is, you know, what all of us could ask for. So we're doing good. How about you, boys? You know, we're hanging in there. We just uh, – obviously, everyone at this point has already heard it. Had a great interview with Coach Osiki. Um, obviously, talked about some good stuff in there, but – Go Badgers. Go Badgers. Mm. Mm. Go Damn, Badgers, go. No, <laughs> tough. I can't um, bring myself to say it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I did not say that. Um, <laughs> I'm, crossing my, thing. I, I'm crossing my fingers under the table. It's okay. I resp- Okay, good. Nobody so, can see that, but that's good. So the playoffs are set. Um, obviously, the seedings are not set completely. Yeah. Um, in the East, we're kind of looking at Pittsburgh versus Islanders, Caps versus Bruins. Um, what do you think about those matchups right now is the way things sit um, for, both, for both of you guys? I like it a lot more for the Caps than I do for Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. I think the Islanders are pretty sneaky good this year. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Not sneaky. <laughs> someone on their squad was listening to us at some point. Um, it was Cal Clutterbuck, friend of yeah. the program. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I definitely like that a lot more for, for Washington than I do for the, for the Penguins at this point. But, you know – I, th- I just think that Islanders are sneaky good and they've had some, some very good stretches. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this before. They're missing out on, on their El Capitan. No, Anders Lee definitely hurts them. So we'll see how, how they handle that. I don't know. What do you think, Spence? Yeah, no, losing any Dinah Hornet um, definitely is tough to, tough to have right before the playoffs start. But honestly, as a Bruins fan, I was kind of hoping that we would get the four seed. I think I'd rather play Pittsburgh. Um, at this point than I would Washington. I, I know Pittsburgh has more points. Obviously they've, you know, according to that, they've played better this year, but I think the Capitals are a much more dangerous team. Um, yeah. Malkin's still coming back from an injury. So you can, you know, you can kind of get lucky with that. Jeff Carter is filled in really nice coming over from LA um, yeah. on Pittsburgh squad, but I still think that the Bruins capital series will be interesting. <laughs> I, I think the Islanders either will, 
handle the Penguins pretty easily, four to one, four to two, whatever, or the Penguins will handle them pretty easily. I don't think that goes to seven. The distance, yeah. I, I think the Bruins Capitals could. Um, and it's just two different styles of hockey. I mean, the Capitals are built a little bit more on that physical play, especially bringing in Zidane Chara. I think that's an interesting narrative to keep an eye on uh, going up against the Bruins. Obviously, he played with them for like 15 years. He was their captain. But it, I, I think that Taylor Hall getting hot in these last couple weeks is, is going to be very beneficial for the Bruins. I don't know if anybody saw the – yeah, you did. Anybody saw that overtime winner against the Islanders? Oh, man. Between the legs on the defenseman and then backhand, it was, that was just beautiful. Oh, yeah, so I, think, I did see that. I think him and Krejci will, will be kind of the – you know, they – the Bruins have always lacked that secondary scoring, you know, in reality, they've always had a pretty good defensive core. Um, obviously with Tori Krug leaving, they had to find somebody to step up for the power play, but it looks like Charlie McAvoy has kind of really found his stride in that uh, going into playoffs here. So yeah. I think that that Taylor Hall acquisition is going to be huge. And if Craig Smith, um, if he can keep it up, I think so too. I mean, obviously the perfection line is going to be the perfection line and you're going to get what you pay for with Ovechkin and, Tom Wilson, I mean, you know, he puts asses in the seats. He's going to be a factor in the series too. So that's kind of how I see those things going. But yeah, that, that's what I that's what I was going to bring up. And it, uh, I, I don't know, it sounds like a tire pump because I love the badgies. But for for Boston, getting Trent Frederick back here now and seeing the way the playoffs are going to end up matching up, probably Trent Frederick, I you know, not from a goal scoring goal scoring or assist standpoint. He's going to play, have to play a big, big, big role in the series against the Capitals because if Tom Wilson's going to run around there all fucking willy-nilly, the Caps will win that series. Right, unintended. So, <laughs> so I think you look at I think you look at a guy like Trent Frederick to get very involved in that series early. Whether it whether he fights Tom Wilson, whether he goes after Tom Wilson, I'm not saying in a dirty way. Take take your chances when you get them, obviously, but. Well, and I think it doesn't even have to be necessarily like targeting him. I mean, I think that if he gets under, you know, you're probably going to go after Ovechkin, but if he goes after, you know, their left winger or their second line center, you know, he could mess one of those guys up that kind of gets under their skin. You know, they don't want to be out there, but I agree him and Kevin Miller. Miller, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Miller. Those guys are going to be the ones who, you know, if, if it does, you know, push comes to shove and people start throwing hands. I mean, they're Those gonna are going to be the guys that you're going to want to have on your side. Yeah. I well, think that the Capitals are built to to be in one zone better than they're built to be in the other, that being the offensive zone. Yep. And I think that the Bruins are have always been built to just play on both sides. Um, and so I think that it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up because I think that the Capitals definitely, now that they've been playing together for a while, like we see the core of like Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, John Carlson – and Chara has, you know, like you said, plenty of playoff experience coming from Boston and, and their lengthy runs in the past. So I think it'll be interesting, but I think it doesn't help that you guys are facing off against, a, uh, you know, 100% health Ovechkin. Right. Um, he, you know, kudos to him for, for sitting out as, as long as he did. I, he probably could have come back a little bit sooner from the sounds of it, but, you know, interviews show that he was definitely just waiting it out to to be healthy for this time of the year so and how how could you blame him you know he's already got his cup he knows what it takes and you know sometimes that's what it is I mean you look at 2013 Patrice Bergeron played with like a punctured lung or 
couple cracked ribs. And, you know, if it's the one people, you know, or the one person in the lineup who's healthy, that makes a hell of a difference. If he's healthy, maybe they don't lose the Blackhawks. So definitely sitting out that extra time is a good point to bring up. Yeah. So, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I'd like to get through uh, so we have a little little bit of a chance. Obviously, we can't do our pick them yet because they're not set, but we're, we're about as close as they can come. Um, I got to get, before we wrap up the East side, I got to get Dan saying Buchnevich one more time. Buchnevich. Yeah, there we go. Buchnevich. He's a stud. We got to talk about them later too. It's going to be really interesting to see who they pull in. I mean, I know they got Chris Drury as a uh, general manager now, which I'm pretty excited about just because homeboy. Let's, let's, talk, yeah. let's talk about that right now, real quick. I think yeah. they bring, I think they bring Torts back. I don't think there's any chance. I don't think there's any chance. I think uh, – I don't think he would come back. Yeah, no. I don't think so either, and I don't think they would make that mistake again. uh, I don't know. They're bringing in the old guard. There's talks about Messier coming in to be the GM. And, look, if Mark Messier hasn't been around in hockey for, like, 10 years, not that he's irrelevant by any means, but he's kept his name out of everything. People have asked him to come be GM, be president, doesn't want anything to do with it. All of a sudden, the, the the front office is blowing up, and here's the fucking king of New York saying, hey, we have a really good team here. Let me be in charge of it. Yeah. I, I think that's where you look first. I think Messi at a GM or a president standpoint would be the move. Well, I hate to I hate to step on your balls right now, but uh, Chris Drury is manager right, right now. Right. So Okay. Well, so and that guy's taking his lumps in, like, I mean, he's grown, you know, so that's definitely a huge step for him. Yeah, and, you know, coming from – I think it always helps when you come from being a player first. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it depends on, on who the person is. But I think in his case, you know, I think he knows the game pretty well. He definitely got moved around his fair share amount of times when he was a player. So I think he kind of understands the system a lot. But the name that's getting tossed around that I'm really excited about is Patrick Waugh. Um, I mean, he, complete, he completely turned – He Yeah, man. I mean, the, the – Avalanche can credit him to their most recent like turnaround. You know, they were nobodies back in like the early, not the early 2000s, back when they had Sackick and all those guys, but like in the late 2000s, early 2010s, like they were insignificant Ass. to say the very least. Yeah. Ass. Ass. Um, they were Bushnievich, but uh, um, and you know, credit him to corralling these young guys to you know, play puck really fucking well. So the Rangers are no different in this scenario. You know, they got a bunch of young guys who can definitely play well and who are starting to play well together without good coaching. So well, it'd definitely be interesting to see if they pull them in, but who knows? Who, who, I mean, whoever gets that job is getting a gold mine. Yeah. I, I oh, mean, yeah. that, that team is like we talked about earlier this year, that team is set up to win. We thought they might be ready to win this year. Yeah, I mean, they got blown out of the water late season. I think they just – I mean, I think once they got the idea that they probably weren't going to make it, they probably just started resting up um, like a lot of teams do, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Whoever gets that team is, is really got, you know, their work cut out for them. And it would be interesting to see if they pull in Gerard Gallant too. I mean, he's coached so many teams to crazy success. I mean, he was the coach of Vegas when they went to the Cup their first year. Oh, yeah. Fucking so we'll see. Um, they definitely have, you know, they're not going to have a shortage of interviews. They're, everyone's going to want to be, you know, standing behind that bench. So it'll be curious to see how that one plays out. 
Um, I'm hearing one name. Sorry. I know you want to move on to the central real quick. I'm hearing one name. You know, I like to keep my ear to the, to the rail, the railroad tie. Insider. Here's my name that I keep hearing. Peter Cho. I'm hearing that it might open up. I don't know if he's going to take it. I know he's got a very nice job, but that's, that's just what I'm hearing. That's what everybody's saying. Peter, they're going to give you a blank check and say how much you want. This job's yours. Yeah, and Peter's going to say, I'll do it pro bono. I don't even Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll do it for the cool. experience. If that's the how game. you respond, if that's how you respond to the job offer, good Lord, I just take back everything I said about how exciting <laughs> Oh, no, uh, you guys caught me off. Guard. I'd hire Peter Chell. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, I would. Thank you. Um, Looking at Thank the North. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Looking at, looking at the North. Um, yeah. It's going to be Leafs number one versus the Canadians. The Canadians number four. Um, series to me would not have been that interesting three weeks ago. Again with the I, tire, again with the tire pump, but the Canadians were looking for a goal scorer. They got a goal scorer. Um, does he show up in the playoffs? Yet to be determined. I don't know, man. As much as I hate the uh, the leaves, this is you know handing a, a first round win to them on a not even a silver, a fucking platinum platter. I don't know. It's also the Leafs know. in the first round. No, I know, but I mean, yeah, but it's not the Bruins. This isn't yeah, the and, leaves. Uh, this isn't the leaves of the past. This is like some big league type leaves what we're seeing right now. I mean, they pulled in a bunch of guys at the trade deadline. They pulled I, I, in a bunch of guys over the last two years that are all just gelling well. Dan, I can't disagree with you. Like on Dan, on, Dan I'm look, Mulch. I can't disagree with you. Like <laughs> on, on Mulch, listen, dude. Just fucking listen right now. On paper, I can't disagree with you like at all. But it's that guy. It's like the Maple Leafs team. So I'm not saying that the Canadians are gonna win. I I don't. Right now, I don't think they're gonna win. Do I want to see my buddy win a playoff series? Of course. Duh. Toronto's for real. They're better than they have been in the past. That, that's a fact. But I need to see that first playoff series. I have to see it. I, I don't care how good they are. And I'm not, like I said, if they shit, like if they pound Montreal, if they pound Montreal, it's going to be tough to choose against the Leafs maybe to win it all. Yeah. But, but I, show me that first series. Yeah. I don't see them going all the way, but I definitely don't see them getting – you know, manhandled in the first round, like the years past, but they're losing a lot in overtime. I mean, that's, that's a plus right there. I mean, a, a lot of games in the playoffs go to overtime just because like we've talked about before, I mean, whether or not this shows on paper, all these teams can play, you know, right, yeah. each other, any team can win any night. So I think if, if, if Montreal can tucker them out early in the series, maybe there's a chance. <laughs> tucker them out. So demeaning. We'll, we'll see, though. If you can tire the big boys out, you might have a chance. Yeah, Dan, I, I, I gotta ask, who who do you think is gonna be a net for the for the Leafs? Those. I mean, what Anderson's been starting for most of the year, right? Yeah, but he got. I believe he got hurt um, a couple weeks back, and I don't know if he's been back since. I don't know if he's a hundred percent. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, that's just what I hear in the fantasy waiver wire, but I'm not sure. Uh, well, let me 
you know, to be honest with you, I don't follow goalies as much as I probably should. Yeah, that's all right. Holy it's, cow, it's... they've been great. They've been getting an amazing play out of Jack Campbell, though. It's fucking crazy. 17 2 2. I didn't, I didn't know it was like, like a young that. guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not young, but I've, you know, the fact, I mean, yeah, he's definitely not gotten this amount of playing time before, and, and now he's completely dominating. But, you know, I, I've only known Frederick Anderson yeah. to be to be the guy over there. And, and you know, he's he's not having the best season from the looks of it. I mean, he's letting a lot of goals in. He's just inconsistent. So you're, so you're saying tell. go with the hot hand? I think so in that scenario. But I think okay. with, the, with the, you know, that that kind of puts some, uh, how we say? Pressure? Uh, not pressure. That puts some the credibility on Marcus's side of things it's tough we don't to ever go, want that to happen it's tough that it's tough to go that route in the playoffs I mean obviously you need a strong backup right and if Frederick Anderson's going to be the backup I would have no worries there but if they are questioning who to go between between Campbell and Anderson going into the playoffs you playing the hot hand is a tricky tricky strategy I don't think in this. I don't think in this scenario it is. Frederick Anderson has had his chance a few other times to win playoff series. You go with the dude who's hot as shit. Yeah, that, that, that's tough. That's tough for Freddie. That's tough bones. Like you know, you'd think you'd give him the nod, but he he's had his chance, and he still might get his chance. We've seen yeah. that. We've seen that a lot in playoff hockey too, where the starter gets his fucking wheels blown off in games one and two. They bring in the fucking old wily vet, two time one two. They bring in the old wily vet and you know yeah i guess i just i shy away from that strategy nine times out of ten i've seen it happen to the wild way too many times where we roll into the playoffs with a, the hot hang goalie um, we rolled into the playoffs a couple years back with Ilya brizgalov in that when he was playing Ilya out of his Brzezgalov. god yeah, he was playing out of his mind at the end of the season and i thought that he was going to carry that into the playoffs and it's a different game so I think what you think the hot hand is going into the playoffs can, you know, completely turn on you. And, you know, if it's too late, you're fucked. True. You, know, you, um, lose, you lose two games playing the hot hand. Two games is a, a big hole to climb out of. So it'll be interesting. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Campbell looks to be having a historic run right now. So probably no surprise there if they start him. Um, looking at the other teams um, in the North Division or the Canadian Division, um Oilers Jets um again another team that underperforms in the playoffs but Connor McDavid has done something this season that very few others have done and that's eclipse 100 points in 52 games yeah he is scoring two points a game essentially I mean that is and the crazy thing is like one night he'll score no points, and the next night he'll have a four or five point game. He's not even yeah. scoring that many goals. I mean, yeah, he is. Obviously, he's second in the league with thirty two, I think, thirty four. But uh, yeah, I mean, good lord! I mean, he got a seventy first assist tonight. That's crazy. Well, and you know, obviously, that says a lot about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Draisaitl. Obviously, yeah. you know, the the team that has finally developed around him. Darnell Nurse doesn't get enough credit for how well he moves the puck around. Yeah. Doesn't fill up the offensive minded defenseman. He's made. Yeah. Like, even though he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, like he has turned into a player that I don't know anyone thought that he would turn into. So looking at the, looking at this series, a 
got to look out for Mc, McDavid. That is mm-hmm. the number one. Duh. We're watching McDavid. Yeah. Number two. I only have maybe four points, but the number two point is Oilers. Two. Oilers struggle getting out of the first round, no matter where they're seated. Um, and then number three. No one thought the Winnipeg Jets would be anything, and here they are. Yeah. And no one's talked about them. No one's really covered them. They're here are the Jets, and they have a good team. So I've covered them. this uh, this isn't a you know uh, this right away you think McDavid Drysaddle. Oh, this is gonna be no the thing. Oilers game. I think this goes seven. I think the Oilers win it in seven, but I I bet this is gonna be a really good series. Look, I honestly, obviously, we I think the given is that you know the guys you just mentioned, like the the McDavid's, the the Dry Saddles, and the you know Nugent Hopkins is. I mean, those guys are going to be playing at the level they are right now, carrying into the playoffs. There's no indication that they won't be playing at that level. It's playoff hockey, but their game is not just going to diminish. I think the biggest determining factor here is probably the goaltending. I like Connor yep. Hellebuck a lot more than I like Mike Smith, and yeah. it's not even close. I like how well Mike Smith has been playing this season, but he, very little playoff experience, very little consistency throughout his career. Hellebuck's just a beast, bro. He's been in yeah. the contention for Vezina for the last two years, soon to be a third. He won it last year. Plus Blake Wheeler, former gopher, plus Nicola Ellers. That Nikolai. Nikolai Ellers. Nikolai. Well, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Dude's a yeah. fucking rocket. But Oh, and, I mean, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, he doesn't do much for their team. but I don't know, man. I Too bad they didn't have uh, Dustin Bufflin. Too bad they didn't still have him. Max. They probably would have been the number one seed. They probably would have kicked the ma- the Maple Leafs asses here. Yeah. So uh, who, who, are you, who are you thinking in that series? And then we'll jump to the West. Uh, you know, I I I really hate to say it because I think that McDavid and Drysaddle could carry that squad to to the second round, but I got to give it to the Oilers. I really, uh, not the Oilers, uh, the Jets. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I got to give it to the Jets on that one. Like I said, um, I like yeah. I like Hellebuck a lot more than I like Mike Smith, but hey, I would love for the Oilers to prove me wrong because, you know, out of, out of all the squads uh, besides the Wild, I think the Oilers are, are you know, atop the list of teams that I want to see do well. I think one thing, uh, too, with, uh, McDavid is like when people are having like this historic of a season, even though I don't like the Oilers and I don't really like McDavid or, you know, like for, I like watching him, but he's not like my favorite player. But when people are playing like this, you want them, like you, you kind of want to see it keep happening. Like absolutely, there's a part of me that wants to see a freak show McJesus come out in the playoffs. Also, there's a little part of me, like, I know he's signed to the Oilers for quite some time, but if your team doesn't do well in the playoffs, sooner or later you got to jump ship and and find a new team to, you know, to carry you to the to the chip. Maybe so. Um, and I would I would love to see that. And we'll get to that talk in a little minute. We'll get to that talk in a sec because I got uh, such exciting rumors just buzzing around the NHL right now. But anyways, let's change divisions up. Uh, I think uh, I think the Jets take it, and I think uh, it's no brainer that Toronto takes that one. Uh, you okay? 
Um, looking at yeah, the West. pains me because I do like the Oilers, but give me the Jets. We actually can do picks, by the way. It's a 56-game season. Most of the – most of the all the divisions we've talked no, I'm about. No, so, I'm saying we'll save it for next week and do an actual pick them when uh, they're, like, set, set. Sure. Um, yeah, could, but it starts Saturday. Well, I, well, maybe. The Canadian division's got some shit to figure out. But um, the West, that's where it's unset still. Um, the only one that sets the Blues – uh, or are the wild locked in now? Um, uh, no. So the wild have to win out and the avalanche have to lose out and the avalanche play the Kings two games in a row and we play the blues two games in a row. So I wouldn't be surprised if we beat the blues two times in a row, but I would definitely be surprised if the Kings took it to the abs two games in a row. So it's pretty so, much looking like we're going to, you know, we're going to yeah. play away pretty much the whole playoffs. So, you know, Vegas pro- – well, it's, you know, it's not set yet, but it could be Vegas versus St. Louis and Colorado versus Minnesota or Vegas versus the Wild. I think it's going to be the first scenario, to be honest with you. I mean, Vegas plays the the Sharks, so they're win – that's win 40 for them. And, and if even if um, – yeah, even if Colorado wins out, there's no way that they can be in top of Vegas. So I think if Vegas wins their next game, which, no offense, Sharks suck this year. Sharks are uh, sharks are below average this year. They're not horrible. Sharks are developing. We'll say that. Yeah, I can go with that. It's like the most. They're developing. They're not. Yeah, bad. it's like developing. the most veteran developing team ever. Get out of here. Um, but Vegas versus St. Louis. I, you know, St. Louis is. They started the season horribly, um, and you know they they've climbed back in it again. Yeah, I mean. That roster is what freaks you out. But then you look at the other side in Vegas, that fucking roster freaks you out. And the way they play, freak you out. So um, the Blues' only chance this year, in my opinion, is the fact that they have a lot of that core together, and that core has won a lot of playoff hockey together. Yeah. Th- that's my take. Spencer, Dan, thoughts? You know, usually – I give credit to what you just said. Usually I'll give credit to the team with more experience. But you're also looking uh, at the team that they're playing against that rewrote that whole script. They made it to the Stanley Cup finals in their first year as a squad, and they damn near made it back the second year. So, yes, I think that, like, if you're looking at experience, give it to the Blues, but – I think that Vegas has played strong all year. I think they're getting better gel out of each other. Like they're just playing way better together. They've been playing longer together. Flurry's playing well. Yeah. Um, and they've got all the right pieces. They've got a solid decor. They can, you know, transition the puck very well from their defensive zone. And Mark Stone is, you know, for a while was in the heart race. So Mark Stone's so good. He's, he, he's a beast. You know, obviously you talk about uh, you know, Bergeron as being one of the best two-way players in the game, but Mark Mark Stone's got to be one A, one B with whoever else you want to put up there as the best two-way player in the game. He, he don't discredit Ryan O'Reilly though; he's definitely no. I'm I'm player. I'm saying there's like five people who could all be like right there. It's tough to pick. Um, yeah, but, and very tough, but I. I don't see the Blues pulling that one off, especially because, you know, they're playing on the road in the first series. Um, 
But I don't know. Yeah. What do you got to say about it, Spence? Well, I'm just going to throw this out there right away. Blue's got no shot in this series. Um, you can you can record this. You can put it wherever you want. Feed me the Knights. They're just too good, man. I mean, you look at how they're built and who they brought in. I mean, Shea it's just, Theodore, it, it's, beast. Yeah. Alex Petrangelo, beast. You look up and down their lineup and, like, where do you Alex see a hole? Tuck. Beast. Beast. Schmidt or uh, what's his name? Marcus I always wanted to say Messerschmitt. Arsenal. Yeah, thank you. I was, yeah, I was thinking William of the boy. I mean, Beast. Yeah, Wild Bill, Mark Stone, both goalies. I mean, we just got done talking about having a great backup is how you can win the cup potentially because you get that guy come in in three or four. Well, you got two basically starters yeah. in Fleury and Robin Leonard. Um, and the Blues just, they're like, who jumps off the page? I mean, I know they kind of won the cup with this squad. Like they still have a, a lot of people from that, but they lose Petrangelo. He goes to the Knights. Yeah. You know, they bring in Tory Krug. Krug hasn't had that great of a year. I mean, it pains me. It hurts. I hate seeing him in that Jersey, but he's there, you know, and yeah. you know, you did mention Rylan O'Reilly. He's good, but how he's much can freak. he do by himself? I mean, a hockey's lot. a team sport, but what, a, team what sport. a nickname, what a nickname, the factor. That's Dude, a he sick wins. He, he does. He does all the intangibles that you just don't even think about when you watch hockey. He wins faceoffs. He great beard too. Forecheck. Great beard. You know, great team leader. I think that they've got some pieces, but you know, all the teams we've been talking about have really one thing in common, and that's a really solid goalie that's been playing well down the stretch. Yeah, so well, I haven't, really got, haven't really gotten that out of the No. I mean, I'm probably going nights with them too. I'm mostly bringing this up for devil's advocate sort of uh, yeah. uh, to, to arouse uh, conversation. But um, assuming that's Avalanche versus the Wild, Wild on the road, um, uh, in a perfect scenario, they could still be the two seed, but that'd be uh, probably not going to happen. Um yeah, you know, you're going to you're going to have to play the big dogs right away, but you have played them well over the last 2 years. So I I I said this last week and I'll say it again. You would rather play the Avalanche than Vegas in the playoffs. I disagree. I disagree with all I got in me. And I think that every Wild fan would would join in on that one. Hey, that's I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you, dude. Other teams, maybe, but us, we don't shake in our boots when we play the, the Knights. We welcome that game. We have a winning record against them, and it's not even fucking close. It's not even close. I don't even think they've beaten us five times in the, what, 12 times they've played us, 15 times they've played us. Our yeah. winning record against them is, I think we're, we're winning close to 75% or more of our games against them. And I'll take that series any day of the week, any day of the week. We just play uh, well against them. I don't know what it is. So obviously, um, Kirill, um, he, it seems as though he he is going to be this good. I mean, we still need to see season number two. There's a lot of people who have really good um, first seasons, but he seems legit. Uh, there seems to be no question in that. Here's the question. Does the young man, while well, kind of old man, does the rookie show up in the playoffs um, and – does he show up the way he's been showing up all year? Does he get his feet wet in the playoffs? Do you think there's any chance he could choke? Uh, is there too much pressure on him right now? 
I don't think so. Um, for a variety of reasons. First off, I don't think he's going to choke in the playoffs because he's definitely gotten that kind of high pressure experience over in Russia where the sport is arguably not arguably I'll say it. The sport is more popular in Russia than it is here. And that's facts. So he's been there and he's won championships and he's done that and he's won MVP in that league. And that's no easy feat. So I don't see him choking under the pressure. He's been facing that pressure this whole year. I mean, you read, you type in Minnesota wild on Google, it's, Oh, Kirill for Calder Trophy, and he's not phased. He's only focused about, you know, the team doing well. So he's already got that mindset. And, you know, I think with his experience coming here from the KHL, I think that experience there and, and doing well there is going to give him the level-headedness that you need from a guy like that when they get into, you know, this kind of pressurized situation. I don't know. I just don't see that happening. I think he continues playing the way he is right now. That's her. Um, yeah, I, it's hard for me to pick against my boys, the Avs. You know, it. I love Big Daddy Mac. He came. He almost came clutch for me, but then he sat out the last two games, so that kind of sucked. But what are you gonna do? I mean, it's hard to pick against the Wild too. You look at them; they also have goaltending. I think Talbot gets the edge over Colorado's netminder only because Philip Grubar hasn't been in the uh, the net very often. You know, he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. But That's been dude net. Oh, it's so – I don't know. Like, you know, you have Kirill. If we're facing off against Devin you have some other guys. Round, <laughs> I could not be more – Potentially. If, he's, he's a scrub. If, yeah, if, if Dubnik <laughs> is in net, I think the Wild probably Take have him. the advantage. Oh, but it's yeah. so hard to pick – so hard to pick against – Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, the other guy, Rantanen, Kadri, Cal McCarr. I mean, yeah, the yeah. list goes on and on. It's really, it's, it's really, a, it's an impressive tough. squad. They're, they're Is good. It Ian Cole. <laughs> yeah, we got Ian Cole, dude. We're fine. He's That's in the wild, right? isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying we got Ian oh, Cole. We're fine. Oh, he played on the abs a little bit ago. Matt Dumba, Ryan Suter. All right. I think that. When push comes to shove, and I hate to say this, I, I don't see it happening on our end. This was the scenario that I really wanted to avoid. Um, obviously, I wanted us to win the division so that we could face off against the Blues, but we've had trouble against them this year too. So yep. really, we're, we're coming out of a division where we can't win in the first round, I feel like. And not like we're not going to get Damn. out of the first round. I'm just saying like, I'm just saying like going into it, it's going to be like, Getting out of the first round is probably going to be our toughest task because yep. all those teams there are very good against each other. I think they all have very com- and know know each other well. Yeah, um, I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Colorado's a powerhouse. I mean, if it comes down to goaltending, we win. But I think there's so much more to both teams' games than just goaltending. I, and wow. Colorado's got a powerhouse squad, man. They're an all-star team. It's crazy. I mean, they they're, are. Power rank, they're power ranked number one in pretty much every power ranking. They have the best cup odds in pretty much every cup odds estimate. Vegas yeah, no. has them winning on their the, books. So it's I'm not it's gonna be a stretch, but just to make sure that the wild win no games, I think the wild are gonna win in four. That's my prediction. The ultimate mush. 
Yeah. We'll, we'll get re- real quick. We'll go over the central. We'll just blow through the central. Cause give me the Panthers. Wait. Feed me the Panthers. Yeah. Give me the Panthers over Tampa Bay every day. Panthers are so good this year. I love the Panthers this year. <laughs> and Hey, well, one team to watch out for, and then we'll blow through this and we'll wrap this up. But, uh, Preds, there they go. Uh, I'm. <laughs> they're gonna well, get. They're gonna get dicked. By no, the yeah, they're 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 gonna get assaulted. Not even gonna be close. I mean, they're gonna. The, the Hurricanes are the best squad in the NHL right now. No, I guess my. I guess my point being is, the Preds just went on a run, much like the Blues did two years ago, from being the worst team in hockey a month in, like by far, to oh shit, here here they are in the playoffs, um, and. You look at the roster, obviously, I do think the Canes win it. We talked at the beginning of the season that the Hurricanes were probably going to be a problem again. We were correct. We got that right. Um, Nashville, though, tough. Or, you know, they, they have a tough roster. They, they, have some boys, they have some boys that can play. So I'll say one thing. I really like who's coaching Carolina. I love Rod Brindamore. I mean, yeah. he had his whole career there, basically. He won an unlikely cup in 06 with them. No one saw them coming out with that. Um, him, him and Justin Williams. Yeah, so he's got that chip on his shoulder mentality, and he's preaching to the choir, I'm assuming. Um, I don't know. I don't see Nashville upsetting them, but I do. You know, if anyone's going to upset anyone in that division, I would say it's Tampa versus Florida, but I think Florida is so strong this year. I, I, wish, wow. they had, I wish they had Ekblad. I see call, calling Tampa Bay versus the Panthers uh, upset would be a stretch and a half. Though the top three teams in that division could be all one, two, three, and it would not be an upset no matter how you look at it, really. Yeah. Or, you know, they're all pretty, they're all pretty evenly matched. Same with the West, really. Um, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be it. I think that, that wraps it up. Spencer, Hurricanes, Nashville. I got um give me the Canes in that Sebastian Aho. Just Nasty. too hard to stop. Um, but this should have been no. probably probably should have <laughs> should have led our uh, our hockey talk, but there was some history made. I'm sure you guys all saw it with the lightning, um, with the believed to be the first three black forwards to start on a line in uh, Daniel Walcott, Matthew Joseph, and Gemmel Smith. So that's pretty cool. Um, obviously, pretty, you know, it's hard deal. to do something. Yeah. It's hard to do something when you don't see it happen. Um, you know, representation matters. So that's a pretty, yeah. pretty big deal. Obviously like we should have, we should have noted that at the beginning, but you know, and we're I getting think, it in there and yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. I think especially in sports where you're seeing this a lot nowadays, just because so much attention is being drawn to it based on the social climate that we're living in. But it's definitely bleeding into sports in a very positive way. I mean, we talked about Hideki Matsuyama. That's a big deal. I mean, golf especially mm-hmm. has been dominated by white folk since its inception, Forever. basically. Pretty I mean, much. yeah, other than Tiger, <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's um, the exception, pretty much. Yeah, exactly, and 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 you know, especially with hockey too. I mean, it's it's. It's very rare to see people that are not white playing hockey. I mean, that's just how it is and how it's been for so long. So to see that is, is great. And not only that, but to see the players bringing attention to it like they are. I know Matt Dumbo is up for the Masterson this year. Yep. That's great. I mean, he's 
Wow. His yeah, I mean, because his voice has been loud this whole time since. Well, the, he he started the hockey hockey diversity alliance, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and so you with know, with Reeves just, and Kane, yeah. I want to say. And so to not only see that happen, but to see like such a push for that in the future, I think is equally as important because it means well, that you know. Yeah. I think that John Cooper, the coach of the Lightning, put it really well, too, where he said, you know, it, it shouldn't really even make news. Obviously, it's a huge deal, but, like, you know, we shouldn't be at this point. This is, like, a news story. But I, I think, you know, once once this happens, and, again, you know, you can't do something or you can't ever think that you do something until you see it happen, right? And so, yeah. I mean, these guys are, you know, they'll, they're in history. They're in – they're part of history now. So I think that's special and, and – I guess even to see um, Duclair from the Panthers, you know, he said he didn't know it was going to happen. And it honestly, like, just, it, he was like, it really hit him emotionally, which I mean, how it's could you not deal. blame him, you know, for yeah, that? No, exactly. and so, yeah, no, it is a huge deal. So very cool. Definitely. I mean, yeah. like you said, it had to be, it has to be done and it's, it's huge that, you know, it finally happened. Yeah. Think about, think about how, uh, and made this completely wrong of me, but I believe he's still alive, but think about how Willie O'Ree felt the other night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he's Jackie Robinson of, of a hockey. He was the first black man to, to lace him up in the NHL. Can't imagine the type of emotion that he must've felt uh, the other night that, that had to be. Absolutely. It's yeah. No, I, and I shit on this organization so much because I think they run it so poorly. But ESPN shame on you for not having some kind of story. Like I know, like, what coach Cooper said, like, it shouldn't be such a big deal. Cause this should be kind of the norm or it shouldn't be something that like, you know, should be swept under the rug though. No, no exactly. No. Like, there should at least be a story about it. And like, I open ESPN NHL every single morning when I get to work, I didn't see shit about that. <laughs> I clock in and I clock out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it sounds funny, but yeah, no, I, you're, you're right. You, you know, also shitty app. It's always been a shitty app. Fuck Facts. ESPN. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Pay-per-views suck. It's complete um, garbage. But Spencer, thank you for bringing that up. Um, this is going to be a long episode. So if you're still listening, thank you. Um, hopefully, you like, yes. hopefully you liked our interview with Coach Osiki. Don't forget to go buy all of the shit, all of the things, all of the yeah. goods that is off. If you can. If no it pressure. Is with, if it is within your financial and fiscal means – Go spend all of your money buying memorabilia from Coach Osiki or for Coach Osiki's auction, which goes to the Children's Hospital. Um, I think in Madison. Go- yep, I think their goal is 50k, uh, or you know, trying to smash 50k. So, yeah, um, go to Down and Back Stitches. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at B1G Thoughts, B1G Thoughts underscore, and yeah, always share our stuff if you can. Thanks. Thank go, you. Go, go Cubs. Go Red Sox. Twins. We're going to turn it around. Red Sox. And Bees. Go Bruins. Yeah, Spencer, since uh, I'm probably going with the Bees, I'm going to ride with you on this one. There is a big ass. There is a big ass spider in my room, and I don't know where it went. Oof, that's tough. Well, you have burned your house down. Uh, that's why yeah. I kept.
No, I know I looked like an idiot, but I wanted to see where it was going because I knew we were about to wrap up and I wanted to murder it. Just made me it made me laugh because you kept like looking up and everything. I well, I couldn't help it. Like (laughs) I hate fucking spiders so much. Um yeah, that's that's about how I thought that interview would go. Oz is a yeah, really good guy. What am I am I supposed to say something first? Are you gonna be like Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a rip first and then hey you guys how you guys how are you doing what you doing I've never seen that wait so what am I what am I supposed to talk about this just after we say what's up be like hey okay guess what is that gonna be put before the episode or like no no it's just gonna be like what's going it'll just be in it'll just be in the episode 